You're probably going to have to get ready to stand back up. I think we're going to do our scripture reading. Uh, my wife, she'll come up today, and she'll do that for us. Let's stand to your feet. If everyone could open to John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. When you get there, say amen. John 17, verses 20 through 26. Everyone there? Okay. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the word may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect and one, and that the word may, no, may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Our righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have declared to them that your name and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. May we bless the reading of his word. Amen. Let's pray. Eternal Father, who is all wise, Eternal God, who is the strength of our life. Jesus, we just bow ourselves before you, Lord, recognizing that we're standing in the presence of omnipotence, power, and majesty. Father, we thank you this morning, God, that you have given such grace to men by allowing us, Lord, to enter into your presence. And Father, I, I thank you, Father, that you have chosen to use me. I pray, Lord, that you would get every bit of glory and that my mind and my heart and the things that come out of my mouth would be pleasing in your sight. Lord Jesus, speak to all of us and make us everything that you want us to be. This is a consecrated moment because you're the king of kings and your word endures forever. And we reverence you today. We reverence you. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. For some of you who are just joining us, we are in the last installment of our series, House Cleaning. Uh, just by way of recap, uh, we had uh, begin our series talking about right living. And we talked about the importance of Christians living lives that represent holiness and godliness. And that uh, we're not to be like the world, but we are to be transformed by renewing our minds. And so we talked about the importance of living right in a dark and crooked generation. We also dealt with the issue of gossip. We talked about how gossip can be a very, very destructive thing, uh, obviously in the life of our church, but we also talked about from the standpoint that how it could really uh, put a damper on or hinder the move that God wants to bring about in all of our lives. So we talked about how to deal with conflict. When we do have conflict, there's a that there is scriptural remedy in how to handle that. Uh, we talked about authority. We talked about how that authority ultimately all comes from God. And so we dealt with that from a general perspective. And then uh, last week, we talked about it within the confines of the local church. And so today, we want to end this with the subject of unity. Unity is not an easy thing to come by. Primarily because we're all different. 
Many of us have come from different walks of life. Uh, we have uh, had different experiences in life, and it's not always easy to try to mesh all that together. It's, in fact, it's somewhat very challenging. But when I think about the, I think about the verse when Jesus talked about Satan, that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I think about how that Satan is a master at dividing, conquering, and destroying relationships, thereby destroying people's destinies and their purposes. And so I've seen over my years, and some of you have witnessed the same thing, I've seen uh, churches uh, split and undergo very, very difficult and challenging times because people could not get along. People could not somehow figure out their differences and learn to work together as the body of believers. Um, Think about Jesus when he first was ministering to his, he started dealing with with the disciples or the apostles. Some of you may recall that Jesus oftentimes had to rebuke them because some of them would say things like, you know, who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And they would have this little argument, this little discussion among themselves. And, and Jesus had to strip them of their own personal agendas. And, and he had to teach them how that they, they need to understand that, 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 that if we're going to be a servant of Christ, then it's going to cost us everything. It's going to cost us our lives. And so, and so Jesus taught them how to, to let go of their agendas and to let go of those things that, 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 that really are based out of a world system that is guided by demonic forces. Primarily, we need to look at unity as a blessing for the church and for the people of God. Unity is a very vehicle by which God wants to bless his people. The Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. Whenever there's confusion, the Bible says there's demonic activity in every evil work. So God is not a God of confusion. We talk about the blessing of unity. It is something that we all benefit from because as we talk, we're talking about you know, house cleaning. We're talking about the church. As many of us, we come into come to church this morning. You, you come into an environment, and you've been beat up during the course of the week, some of us. Been beat up by hurricanes, tornadoes. Uh, we've been beat up by relationships and things we've been, we've been going through. How many know the last thing you want to do is come to church and be in a fight, in a fight with somebody, right? The last thing you want to do is come to the house of God and you're dealing with people's attitudes and people just infighting and they can't resolve the simplest of issues. The people of God are supposed to be people that exude unity, love, that our love for each other, that, that it supersedes the mundane things of life because nobody can ever, ever get everything the way that they want it, right? Nobody can, can do that. And so what we find here in this prayer in John chapter 17 is quite an amazing prayer. It's known as Jesus' high priestly prayer right before he was to offer his life for our sins. The central theme in John chapter 17 is Jesus was praying that the God, that he prayed to his father that we, the church, would be one. And you think he could have prayed anything else. He could have said, Lord, give them this, give them that, Lord, to help them. But, but the one thing that he prayed that seemed to be the, the theme of his prayer was that they would be one. And remember, I talked about the disciples, how Jesus had to teach them that if, that if you're going to be able to carry out the mission that I've laid before you, you have to learn how to walk in unity with one another, which means that we have to get rid of our personal agenda and we must lay a hold of what God has for the church. And so Jesus said that they might be one, just like he and his father was one, that we will be one with he and his father. And now, now what's so significant about that is Jesus understood that 
that there would be uh, people that have, was driven by different things. He knew that there would be uh, uh, times when, when people had different uh, opinions and, and they would come in and, and try to you know, uh, undermine what God, what Jesus was trying to do for the church. He understood that it would be a challenge that the world forces were going to do everything they could to make sure that Jesus' message did not go forward. And so the one thing Jesus said was, I pray that they would be one, that we would be one in our purpose, one in unity in our, our ideals, our values, that we would be one. Because one of the beautiful things about Christ church is when people can look and peer into the life of the church. And they see people with all these different backgrounds and these different personalities, economically and socially, and they see how that we flow together, we love each other, how that there's a oneness. And you know, they will look at that and they will marvel. And Jesus will be glorified because his people are walking in love. But when the world see us angry, mad, backbiting each other, can't get along. How many know that it underscores the mission of the gospel? We cannot expect to change the world if we ourselves have not been changed. We We have to first begin to look at ourselves and make sure that we are doing those things that will not prohibit the furtherance of the gospel, but promote it. And our relational structure is very, very important as it relates to that. How we relate to each other, how we respect one another, how we get along with each other. All of that is very, very important, and it ties into our ability to be effective in the very thing that we say that we're here for, which is to promote the kingdom. We say we're here. We say that we want God's kingdom come, his will to be done. And Jesus said, Lord, he says, he said, Father, I pray that they will be one. Because if that doesn't happen, if we can't come in agreement, if we can't function as a body of people around a common goal, Jesus being the central and the focus, then our message is hindered greatly. And people look at the church and you become no more than another social club or something to do on Sundays. And people look at that and say, Man, that's, boy, you're just like anybody else. I mean, no, the church ain't supposed to be like everything else. We are supposed to be a unique, peculiar people that people look and say, wow, how in the world can those people with that, with all of that, how did they do that? I want to be in an environment just like you where there's flowing love and grace and unity. I want to be in an environment where, 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 there, where there's oneness. I mean, know that you deserve that. It's a gift that God gave to his church. And it's tied into our ability to be able to function as a people. Look at Mark chapter number three, if you will, verses 22 through 26. Mark chapter 20, chapter three, verses 22 through 26. When you get there, you can say amen. Chapter three, verses 22 to 26. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, well, for continuity's sake, I'm going to have to go back a few verses. Start at verse number 20. Then the multitude came together again so, they, so that they could not so much as eat bread. But when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said he is out of his mind. You know, they thought Jesus was crazy. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know, they'll think you are what? I'm just saying. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, here's what they said. He has Beelzebub. By the ruler of the demons, he cast out demons. Now listen to the argument they're saying. They're saying that Jesus, you're able to cast out demons because you're one of them. (laughs) So the only reason, Jesus, you're able to lay your hand and cast out devils because you're you're one of his kids. Such, a, uh, such absurdity. But yet, but Jesus asked, I, I love Jesus was just so profound. He, he, so he called 
them to himself, in verse 23, and said to them in parables. See, whenever, whenever people got real silly and stupid, Jesus started talking in parables to get them. That's just what he did. He said, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot what? Stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot what? Stand. But he has an end. Has an end. Now, understand this. If you read Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm not going to have you turn there because I, I want to try to save time this morning. I'm going to do better today. But if you look at Ephesians chapter number 6, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. You know, demonic forces out there, they're organized. We wrestle against principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places. Satan even knows and understands that if he's going to fulfill his mission, which obviously is to destroy the church, but how many know it will not happen? <laughs> uh, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But Satan even understands that they got to work in unity together. And so that's why Jesus said, uh, what's wrong with you? How can Satan be divided against Satan? It will, Satan, even, Satan even understands that a kingdom divided against itself, it can't stand. Write this down. Genesis chapter number 11. Some of you are familiar with the Tower of Babel. So during the early days when uh, the people at that time decided they were going to build a tower that was going to stretch up to heaven. They said, they said, now the Lord had wanted them to populate the entire earth. But they, they decided, we're not going to populate the entire earth in, in that way. We, we're going to build a tower and we're going to take this thing all the way up to heaven. And the Bible said, that God came down and he saw what they were doing. The Lord saw what they were doing. And, he, and the Lord said that he had to stop them because nothing, not because they're one. He said the people are one. They're in unity. And if I don't come down and stop them, they're going to accomplish what they set out to do. So God had to come down and confuse their language so that they can spread all over the entire earth. That's why you got people on different parts of the world. You understand what they say. That's where it started. So the principle of unity was so strong that even though these, the people back in that day, had a wrong motive, God had to come down and stop them. Satan even understands that. The forces of darkness, they, I mean, no, you know, they understand that. Gang members understand that principle. That's why they formulate a leader. That's why they get stuff together. And, and they call themselves whatever, Bloods and Crips and MS-13 and, and whatever else they call themselves. They understand that, that, that unity is important. And obviously they have a different motive. They have an evil motive. But Jesus was making a point. A house divided, you can't stand. And if we're going to be a church that's going to make a difference out there. If we're divided, here's, 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 here's what Jesus is saying. You cannot stand. A church that is divided, that house will not stand. In fact, it is finished. That's why we need to do everything that we can to promote unity. Because what God has called us to do is going to require us working together. Do you hear me? What he's called us to do is call, it's going to call for us to work together. How do you know the disciples had to put down their personal agendas of wanting to be great? How do you know selfish motives is one of the biggest enemies to unity? Self-seeking motives. And ever you hear somebody always talk about I, 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 that's a red flag go up. Because everything God did, it was always about W-E, we. Jesus, when he came, even though he was, a, he was a son of God and was, in fact, God, the one of the first thing he did was he started calling them folk to work alongside him, did he not? And he started calling his disciples. He called them all. He spent time. He taught them. He trained them. He sent them out. A house divided. So, so understand this. So, so, so we cannot be effective as a people. The church cannot be effective as a people if we're divided. We have to come to a place where we understand the importance of unity. Now, let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verses, verse number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. I'm moving real good today. Y'all should be really proud of me. 
You're going to get out here in good time today. First Corinthians chapter number one. And I got to get the one. I'm in chapter 10, but we want chapter number one. Watch this. Now, if you do a study of your Bible, the study of the Corinthians church, they were some messed up people. Everything that God didn't want to be happening in the church, it happened in the church of Corinth. I mean, you had selfish motives. People who had spiritual gifts, they were using the gifts against each other. They were probably like, I imagine they were probably prophesying against each other. You devil, you're this, you're that, and who knows what they were doing. But Paul, but, but Paul comes in on the scene, and he's dealing with this Corinthian church, a church that he helped plan and helped establish, and, and they're just all at odds with each other. Everybody, you know, people are anointed, people have gifts and, and, and you know, and all of this, but, but they're just divided. And so Paul has to come into this thing and he try, he has to try to bring some order in this church because this church was not going to be what God wanted it to be until this issue with, that was dealt with. So the Corinth, the Corinthian church, I mean, they had immorality issues. They had all kinds of problems. And, and so listen to what the Apostle Paul says here now. He says in verse number, chapter 1, verse number 10. Now, I plead with you. In other words, I'm begging you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the what? Same thing. That there be no what? Divisions among you. This is the will of God for his church. Do you hear me? But that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same what? Judgment. Now, when he's talking about speaking the same thing, that's not to go back and say that every time I say something. My kids used to have this little game. I think it's an old game, you know, where, you know, they mock me. I say something, they'll repeat exactly what I wanted, what I just said. So I say, kids, y'all need to behave yourself. Kids, you need to behave yourself. Uh, Jeremiah, stop playing. And they'll repeat it. Jeremiah, stop playing. And then that's their way of getting back at me. Y'all know that game? Okay. Uh, so anybody know? Okay. All right. So nobody know that. Okay. But <laughs> Paul said, Paul said, I plead that you all speak the same thing. He wasn't talking about it in that context. He was speaking here, I believe, about doctrinal unity. How many know that if you have doctrinal disunity, how many know that that can be a major issue? He said that you all speak the same thing. Now, we all must need to, we need to have grace where there's non-essentials. But we all know what the essential issues are. If you come to our Wednesday night Bible study, you learn what is essential. Essential, basic Christian doctrine. But, you know, what Paul was dealing with here was a lot of people that were just upset about anything. I don't like the music. I don't like the color of the walls. Why are you painting brown? Why couldn't you paint it? I believe the anointing is in purple. I, you know, I, I just don't. Why you have to? Why you have to put the chairs like this? Won't you just set them? Just put like don't have no chairs. Put some picnic tables in here. I, now, I, I'm, I'm exaggerating just a little bit because I, I want you to see that the things that we argue about and we fight about are really not that important. But yet we, get, we pick, listen, and we, we get mad about stuff that don't, at the end of the day don't amount to nothing. We're not talking about things that deal with your salvation. We're just talking about people's preferences. And we argue and we fight and we fuss and we'll hold our ground. I remember one brother one time I was a part of a church. And he got upset because the pastor had made me uh, had made me a deacon in the church. And and he got mad because he thought I was trying to take his spot. And I used to sit in church. And I used to see him all the time looking at me. Now, I, I could care less about that. How many know when you start serving God? You do what God told you to do. You don't have to worry about your position. You just serve God. God will, God will anoint you. He will put you exactly where you want. You don't even have to worry about that. I never... And I remember he just, he got all mad and he went past and told the pastor, you know, that, that he was here first. <laughs> and he got mad and left. Left. I'm going to go somewhere. You know, there's a whole bunch of folk out there that do that today. I hear it all the time. People, pastor, don't recognize my gift. I'm out of here. 
Oh, pastor, don't do this and that. I'm, I'm out of here. What I'm trying to say is this. Listen to what I'm saying. That there is a time to deal with some things that we need to deal with. But let's be honest. Most of the stuff that churches and people fight about don't amount to much at all. And we get picky about little things. But we must learn to have grace. That's where grace come in. Because there's nobody who has a monopoly on all the truth. Nobody who has complete and total insight on other things but Jesus. But sometimes we act as though that we got the corner on the market. I see stuff, brother, sisters, that I never seen. I got it. God spoke it to me and only me. Only me. I got this. And, and, and we destroy the whole move of God because of something at the end of the day when it's matched up to eternity don't mean much. Now, when we talk about essential Christian doctrine, we're not talking, you know, doctrine of salvation, grace through faith and we're not talking about the deity of God. We're talking about stuff that don't matter. The Corinthian church, they were anointed. They had spiritual gifts. But look, look at this. Look at, look at this. Watch this. Keep, let's keep reading. Look at verse number 11. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of uh, Chloe's household. See, Chloe. See, Chloe was a snitch. <laughs> Am I right about it? Is that what it says? It doesn't say Chloe was a snitch, but you, you all know what the definition of a snitch is. Go back and tell on somebody, right? So the word had gotten back to the apostle Paul. Paul wasn't there, right? So watch what Paul says. Paul says, now, for it has been declared to me. In other words, somebody came and told me, my brethren, <laughs> by those of Cleo's household, that there are some contentions among you. Watch this. He said, now, now, here, now watch what they was fighting about. Watch this. Now, I say this, that each of you says, I am a Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Cyprus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I baptized in my own name. Now, listen to what Paul is saying here. They, were, they, they, were, they had little clicks going on. Okay, I, I, I'm, I'm going to stick with this brother right here. You know, uh, I'm with this group over here because they're anointed. See, this group over, see, this group over they're not, super, they're not, these are the real serious Christians, but the other ones over here, they still, they're like little babies. We don't have time for them. They, they, they got a lot to learn, you know. So, so I'm going to hook up with them. Oh, oh, he, he's, he's really, they're really anointed. You know, Sister Hubbard, she's got, she, she's anointed. So I'm, I'm going to, that's my little, that's my little thing right there. Everybody else, it don't really matter much. They were fighting. They were, listen, it was all about personality and flesh. And, and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to show you something else. I didn't have this. I don't think you have this but, uh, on, for the screen. But, but, but look at this. And in chapter number 3, here's Paul dealing with this issue again. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babies in Christ. How many know that it's immaturity to be arguing about these foolish things? I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. From where there is, where there are envy, watch this, strife and division among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Paul was saying, y'all immature. Paul said, I wanted to come talk to y'all like mature believers, but I can't because you're behaving like babies. I mean, no, we, we don't want to be a church like that, do we? We want to be a people that understand that there are differences among us. You know, we all have differences of opinion about different things. But Jesus says that men will know that you are my disciples because of the love that we have for one another. And that love supersedes some of the things that we argue about at times. And you, you, all, you don't know what I'm talking about. I, I grew up in a traditional Baptist church. I don't need to belabor that. I've had and said that over and over again. And, and I used to marvel about the stuff that people get upset about. I wasn't even saved at the time. I just went to church because my parents told me to go. And I used to sit by. These people were coming. They would argue. They would fuss. They would fight over things. And I'd be like, man, they supposed to be like, ain't they supposed to be like, where's the love? Where's the unity? 
And so tell me what church will be effective that functions that way? Even if, you have, even if it's 100, 200, or 300 people, if they're full of debt, are they really having an impact for Jesus? They cannot be. Now watch this. Look at Psalm 133. We're getting close to ending here. Look at Psalm 133. Watch this. How many of you want to do what God says? How many of you want to be what God says you want you to be? Well, watch this. This is a beautiful psalm. He says, behold, how good, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in what? It's beautiful. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's beautiful. How many, know, how many of you married in here? You got some fucking married. You know how it is. If, if your house ain't right, <laughs> come on. It ain't right. That's how that's the best way I can put it. But there is no unity in the house. I mean, do you feel good about walking in there? No, you're like, oh, gosh, I got to go home and deal with this. The Bible says how good, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in what? Unity. Unity. God blesses unity. God blesses togetherness. A house divided cannot what? Stand. A church divided cannot what? Stand. A marriage divided cannot what? Stand. It can't happen. We need to prioritize what's really important in life. Now keep keep me watch this. He says in verse two, it is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord what? Commanded the what? Commanded the what? And life evermore. Is that like revelation to some of you? God says he commands blessing where there is unity. So what's the opposite of that? that? If there's no unity, there's no what? And yet Satan, he loves to keep us divided. Divide, 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 fragment. He, he, He works overtime because he knows that if you ever come together walking in the spirit of God, Following the commands of scripture, living out this book, if we ever come into agreement together and begin to walk in his truth, he knows that we'll flip the world upside down. We'll turn it. He knows what we he know what we will do. So what does he do? He fight us. He fight our marriages. He fight our family. He fights you on Sunday morning before you get here. He does whatever he can try to do to, to get you out of sync. Your whole life belongs to God. Your whole life. And Satan is just not interested in your church life. You hear me? What I mean by that is just you on Sunday morning. He's messing with you all through the week. He will mess with you when you leave here. Because he knows the Lord commands blessing where there's what? Unity. And so every time you see a church that is infighting and they can't get along and they're broken over small issues. I'm talking about issues that don't matter. Non-essential issues, trivial things. Then that church, Satan knows, they won't be able to make a real impact. That's why we need to understand the power of unity, the power of oneness. See, see, see. God, God designed this thing so that nobody can pull this thing off. We talked about that in our in our new members class. Nobody can pull off this thing off by by, by themselves. You see, see, God always designed. He just he, he always built us so we we could come together. And that wonderful, he, he called us so, so that we can work together, so that nobody, you see, I'm a pastor. That's just my function. Don't make me no better than you. I'm just a pastor. But in order for us to be able to do what we need to do as a church, everybody needs to be involved. Do you hear me? Everybody has a role to play. We got too many bench warmers in the church. And I'm comfortable being a bench warmer, may I add. We have, we have too many bench warmers in the church, but we need to be a people 
that, that say, that understands that God called me to be a part. And so what is my part? Because without my part, the body is hurting. I have, you know, we've, we've seen people come in and they'll, they'll sit and they'll criticize and they'll talk about everything that's wrong, but they will not raise one finger to help. Oh, pastor, they come and tell me, you need to do this. You need to do that. Okay, good. Well, can I count on you? Ah, sorry, I'm busy. I'll see. I got to check my schedule. Oh, let me pray on it. <laughs> Boy, if I got a dollar for every time I heard a Christian say that, whew, we were to fund the whole work of the kingdom for a lot of years all over the world. Let me pray on it. I hear that in my sleep. Let me pray on it. And they always want to pray over the stuff they don't want to do. But if it's something we want to do, we don't have to pray much? Sure. Good. Oh, pray on that. God called you to be a part of the body. He called you to be a part of his family. Then what's your role? Now, look at Acts chapter 2. Now, here's, here's the picture of beauty. We have read this, this over and over again, but it's worth reading again because I think it really highlights the context to which we're talking about this morning. You know, one of the things I always said, and people who've been with me for a little while, I always said that we want to be an Acts chapter 2 church, an Acts church. Because they, it, it, this was just a perfect picture of unity. And here's the thing I want y'all to see, that when we function in unity, when we learn to come together, that's why, listen to me, that's why Paul said, like, for you husband and wife, don't go to bed on your wrath. I mean, if y'all are married, don't go to sleep at night when you're still mad at each other. Don't do that. My wife would tell you, I'll stay up, boy, I'll, we'll stay, sometimes we stay up three and four in the morning. She, cause my wife, she knows, I, she, don't mind, I, she might get me later, but she forgive me. But my wife, you know, she, she does, my wife, she, she can just lay down and go right to sleep and be cool with it. I can't. I'm tormented. I don't know. We got to work. Can't we talk about this? No, no, because you're upset and we got to work on this because I don't want my blessing. I know there's blessing when there's unity. I know that when we're one, we're functioning together as one. I know we can accomplish a whole lot more than when we're divided. So I work on that thing. I work on that thing. I'll stay up sometime and I'll be, I come to work <gasps> tired. Hey, what's wrong with you? I got no sleep last night. Had some family issues. I do what I got to do to work it out. You got you to do what you got to do to work it out so that you can be in unity because that's the vehicle by which God want to bless your family. Amen. It's the vehicle by which you want to bless the church. That we learn how to work out our differences. That's what this whole house cleaning series has been about. Learning how to deal with each other. You understand what I'm saying? Learning how to function together. To, to be cohesive. and To love each other. To support each other. And to work hard. And sometimes it's not easy. But are you willing to put in the time for the blessing of unity? Here's the blessing of unity. Look at Acts chapter 2. Look at, uh, start in verse number 41. Are you there? No, start in verse 40 for continuity's sake. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word, watch this, were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. How many know that's a God thing? When 3,000 souls get added to the kingdom, that's, that's what I call a miracle. That's what I call Holy Spirit. Watch this. Then those who, those who gladly received his word were baptized, right? So they all received his word, and, and they all got baptized. Baptism is a command of the Lord. We shall all be baptized when you get saved. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added, verse 42, and uh, starting in verse 42, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Why did they continue steadfast in the apostles' doctrine? In the apostles' doctrine, because the doctrine of unity was important. They continued. That means they didn't stop. They, did, they didn't stop going to Bible studies. You know, sometimes we get a little grown in the Lord. We feel like there's, there's certain things we don't need no more. But if you don't think about how your gift and what God is doing, you can be a blessing to somebody else. Maybe you may already know it, but it won't hurt to hear it again. And they continue. That means they kept, they kept going to church. They kept hanging out together in the apostle doctrine. And in what? Fellowship. Breaking the bread and prayer. 
These are things they just kept doing. Now, now watch this. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. I like that. It says, it didn't say a couple of signs. It says how many? Many. But what is it coming from? You know where it's coming from? Unity. Watch this. Now, all who believed were together, and they had all things what? Common. Now, I want you to keep in mind that scripture verse in Psalm 133 that said that there the Lord commanded a blessing where there's unity. I want you to think about that as we read this. Now, all who believe, verse 44, who believe were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and good and divided them among all as anyone had what? Well, how many know that's a good church? I said, that's a good church. I said, that's a good church. So continuing, continuing daily with one accord with what? You see that unity? You see that? They They were in unity with one accord. And the temple, where did they go? I'm just saying, that, that's probably me, like, off-site. They gathered to worship in the temple. And breaking bread from house to what? They liked each other. How many know that if we want to learn to be a people of unity, we got to learn to like each other? Hang out with each other every now and then. You know, just, just you know, if you go to the church and you don't know people in the church, get to know them. Amen. Call them up. Say, look, let's have dinner together. I want to get to know you. I have, I have a vet, listen, I have an invested interest in her and she and me because we're kingdom people. If you know Jesus, we need to get to know each other because we're working together. So we need to flow. We need to have an understanding of where we're going. So, so you know what? Let's hang out together. Let's break bread together. Let's fellowship together. Let's love on each other a little bit. What are you going through? What can I help you with? I want to pray with you. Well, well you, you, don't, you don't know, Pastor. I feel like I'm, about, I'm, I'm losing it, and, and, I, and I'm starting to doubt. Well, well, well let, let, let's pray together. I believe that many people fall off, and we never even know what really happened because we're not, in connect, we're not connected to each other. You know, we have these times of fellowship. That's a good time. To say. Some, some of us be like, well, I don't, I don't need to get no You know, when we fellowship, can I say this? It ain't about the hot dogs. And the good hamburgers. And I know somebody here, that, Brother Kuiper can cook them. That hamburger, I'm still trying to figure out what he did. But it ain't all about the hamburger. It's really not. It's about relationship. It's, it's, it's about getting an understanding of what God is saying to us as a people. So that we can fulfill his mission in the earth. That's what we're all about. That's why we do it. He says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. Wow. God bless. God didn't just bless them, but God just blessed everything around them. I know God will give you favor with some people who ain't even walking with him. Because he's God. He can do that, right? And the Lord added to the church when? Daily. <laughs> Daily. But look, at how, but look at what made the church grow. Breaking the bread in fellowship. Going to the temple, praying together. Eating our house. You let me in your refrigerator, you going in mine. You know, giving each other money when we need it, helping each other out. All right? Praising God. We're hanging out together because we love each other. All right? That promotes unity. And God says, where there's unity, I command what? Blessing. There it is. There it is. Forget about all the church growth models. You know, they got, you know, they got all these different things out there. How you go to church? It is right here. Acts 2. Now watch this. In closing. Ephesians chapter number 4, and we're done. I'm doing pretty good, right? Amen. I'm doing good today. I made a covenant. I'm going to do better. Get y'all out of here in a good hour. So y'all can fellowship and love on each other some. Now, we get y'all early. Don't go running out to hit, hit the door. I, I never, you know, you know, stick around. Get to know somebody. Talk. Amen. Say, look, what's going on? Who, who are you? I don't know you. Come, come, eat. Come, let's eat. I don't know who you are. Let's talk. <laughs> I see you every Sunday, but I don't know nothing about you. Come on. I know somebody in here got a lot of extra food from yesterday, so I'm expecting it. But anyway. I ain't calling nobody out because I don't like to do that because people figure stuff out. 
Amen. Amen. And we should have fun in the Lord, right? I mean, I just, I just, you know. Oh, what's this? I, therefore, verse Ephesians 4, chapter 1, look at this. He says now, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. I like Paul use some strong words. He says the prisoner of the Lord. He's on lockdown. You know, you walk with God, Jesus will put you on lockdown. Paul says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I, I can't do nothing unless he tells me to do it. I mean, I'm on lockdown. I had one brother said to me one time, he, he's not even a spiritual guy. He's not saved. And, uh, and he wanted to, he's, he's a married guy. And uh, you know, I work with people who don't know the Lord. You just got to, you know. And this guy says, uh, uh, you know, so every time, you know, they see these, like, pretty girls, and they all say things like, oh, wow, and they lust. And when I'm around, they usually say, they say they, they had this little saying, oh, man, I'm on Jesus lockdown. And I, at first, I didn't realize what that really was, what they meant. Somebody told me that they were really saying that they wanted to kind of lust and do that thing, go talk. But then I, I, I'm, I'm over there, and so they got to, you know, they know I'm going to say something about it. Have them on lockdown. That's a good thing. People need to say that about you when you show up. People need to feel convicted about their sin. They don't need, people shouldn't feel real comfortable around you, sinning around you. What kind of Christian are you if you got friends that you can just do anything you want and, then, and it's all good? I go on extraditions. And, you know, we have to, we used to pick each other to go. They don't pick me. And it used to bother me a little bit because some of these places I'm like, I've never seen before. I like to go. But then I, I know exactly why, because I ain't doing it what they're doing. And they know I'm okay. They don't want nobody telling them what to do. I ain't, I, I, it's not that I'm some self-righteous guy. I just try to live out the scripture. Amen. And, and you walk with Jesus, you know, it, it's going to show <laughs> if you walk with him. Right. If you walk with him. And people will be uncomfortable sitting around you. I didn't say they won't, but they're going to at least think twice about it. <laughs> and that's a good thing. We, we want people to think twice about us. We don't want people to feel all comfortable. Well, I didn't know. Well, I didn't know you was a Christian. You've been known for ten years. I didn't know you. Don't, you I didn't, had no idea. Were you saved? I had no idea. I mean, if that ever happened, y'all, y'all should put your head down. Like, oh my God, you know you ain't been doing right. He says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness. Now, lowliness has to do with humility. You know, what humility tells me is this. I understand that, that I'm not everything in a bag of chips. I have not arrived. Some of us need to point to ourselves and say, I have not arrived. Because none of us. Are, see, when you walk in humility, you won't be so quick to jump on everybody else. It's folks who are always jumping on folks about what they're doing. They just think a little bit too highly of themselves. They need to come down just a little bit. He says, with all lowliness and gentleness. So you've got to handle people right with gentleness. Because we've got to understand that we're, we're still learning. We're still growing. I may, be, I may know a little bit more, but just because I know a little bit more don't make me no better. I, I just study, and so if we're going to just rub off on each other, we're going to become better. With long-suffering. Now, that means we got to be patient with each other. Here's the thing. You, you know, uh, some of us grow at different paces. Some of us grow real fast, right? I mean, some of us, as soon as we get saved, well, we shoot, we're out of the cannon, boom, and you just have to, oh, wait, slow, slow them down a little bit, make sure. Then, then some folks, they just take their time coming. And sometimes in the church, we get a little impatient with people, don't we? We just get impatient with people. They ain't acting right. They're not doing right. What's wrong with them? You know, and God showed me a long time ago that I said that I'll listen to people. This is, I have a, this is just the way I do things. And I used to always think that every time somebody said something wrong or something I disagree with, disagree with, I always felt like I had to, like, jump in there and say something. I don't, do, I don't do that no more. I just sit back and I just said, look, God is working in them. Jesus is in control. And if you ask me, I'll tell you. Other than that, I just listen. And I'll pray. Because I understand that we're all on this thing. And, and, and some of us, we're going to get there. We're going to have some bumpy roads. The Lord knows I had a lot of bumpy. I had a lot of slip-ups. It's amazing that I'm still standing right here today. It's amazing. I think about what I was 10 years ago, 5 years ago. I don't know how I'm still standing. But if you talked to me during that time, I'd have thought I was, thought I had it together. I remember when God first impressed upon me to, to start a ministry. I remember I, I, I was like, I thought I was ready to go right then in 1997. I was like, I was like, five. I couldn't understand why everybody else couldn't see it. What's wrong with these people? I'm anointed. I can preach. 
people will hear me. I can go to, I was going in there and nobody, I was like, what's up? Something wrong with y'all. So, you know, I'm going to go, somebody going to recognize me. You see how we get? Just, we just got to learn how to flow in God and forget about the recognition. And listen, and just do what God tell you to do. Your gift will make room for you, isn't that right? Amen. With all loneliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another. Oh my goodness, bear with each other. I mean, if we're going to walk in unity, we got to what? We got to bear with each other. We got to put up with each other a little bit. We can't be ready to jump on people because they ain't right. What is that you wearing in church? Ooh, what is that you smell? Ooh. You got this going, ooh, you're quick. Bear with each other. We got to be a little patient. Don't be so quick. Give people a chance to what? Grow. Give people a chance to grow. How many people walk through those doors and people were in the church and nobody have arrived? We're learning together. The question is, are you making progress? Are you trying to grow up in the things of God? But he says in verse number three, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Endeavor to keep the unity. Um, This is not, for those of you who are educated, it's not rocket science, but what does endeavor mean? Mm-hmm. Continue. Desire. What else? Perseverance. Endeavor. Okay. Diligent. He says endeavor to keep unity, which means what? You got to work at it. Unity is something that everybody has to be committed to. Okay, I'm committed to, if I got differences with you, I am committed to working them out. If I, if I got a problem with my spouse, I am committed. If I got a problem with somebody in the church, I'm committed. We're going to work this out. If I got a problem on a job with people I have to work with, we, 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 we have a particular job we have to do. We want to we be, the, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. These are the children of God. Peacemakers. We, we got to try. If we don't learn to do that here, then how can we do that out there? You hear me? We got to endeavor. It's hard sometimes to keep the unity, but that's what anything that's worth anything, it's going to take some work. My wife and I have been married for 20 years. But let me tell you something. It ain't been all easy. Some of you have been married about as long as we have. You know, it's not easy. But we have to work every day. We're committed. You know what? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to figure out a way to get through this together because God commands unity blessing where there is what? Unity. Amen? So every head is bowed, your eyes closed. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you for the blessing of unity. Thank you, Father, for 